If I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and once again, Happy New Year. Uh, I'm excited to engage this time of year with you, and we're going to talk about a subject today that I think is good for all of us to hear. We're going to talk about uh, happiness, how we can find happiness this year, and how Jesus engages that topic with us, and I love hearing this, and so we're going to read through some of his words here in a little bit, but But just real quick, as we begin the year together, uh, we have a couple things that are happening in January. One we do every month, and it's the sharing place. And so if you're looking for a place to serve with us, uh, we do this every month on a Thursday night. It's happening next week, so two Thursdays away, we help the sharing place food pantry uh, get ready for their monthly distribution. And they're the oldest food pantry in New Jersey, and we've had a relationship with them for several years. And we just step in during the week. Our team comes in, and we help prepare uh, help to get bags prepared for them with food that's been delivered. And so we have fun doing that together, and we make an impact on them as well. So that's coming up. And then we're doing an event. We did this pre-pandemic, and uh, we're joining with several other churches in Jersey City. Uh, and then it's called, um, we're doing an event to talk about justice and mercy and how that's lived out in our city. And so it's called Building a Just City. And so uh, several of our churches in this area uh, are, are working together. Uh, we're friends, the pastors and I. <laughs> and, and so this is something that we all, there it is, we all um, we love to do together. And so we're going to be doing a discussion about what it means to love our city with justice and mercy as Jesus has called us. And so I invite you to join us. They're both, both events, by the way, are the same night. Uh, that was my fault. <laughs> and but we're doing both events, and we want to invite you, if, if that's something that interests you, to come and be part of that. We'd love to invite you to listen with us and to hear from people who are doing great things in our community, uh, either through their workplaces or just through their lives. And so Aaron is going to be speaking from our church, uh, Aaron, my wife. And so uh, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be really good. So there you go. Uh, we're doing that in January. And, uh, and then there's all kinds of other ways for you to engage and plug in. We'll, we'll be starting dinner groups uh, here in a couple of weeks, all these different things. It's a great time of year to be engaging with us. And so today, as we kick off this year together, uh, as I mentioned, I want to talk about what it means to be happy. And as you think about your year, maybe you've done this, maybe you had a really busy holiday season, and you're just kind of here, or maybe you've had time to think, uh, or maybe you just think about this all the time, uh, but you, you might be engaging this year. You may have goals that you're setting, whether it's a resolution or you just plan or whatever that may be, and you, you may have specific things that you want, and you might be like, I just do this all the time. I have things that I'm always kind of working towards, uh, but most likely, you've got things. Most likely, you've got something that you want to do or see. I've got things. And so maybe it's, you know, you're pursuing a new job or a different position or you want to have upward mobility within uh, the career that you are in or maybe it's a relationship goal. Uh, It could be a financial goal that you want to take a step forward in different ways, Uh, apartments or cities or, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you could put on your list and then you know, and so I don't know where that, I've got things for me, as, as I think about my family, 
Uh, I usually use Christmas and New Year's to plan for the entire year. I do that with my family, with our church a lot of times. I have prayers for us as a church, as I seek God, as how, how does He want to lead us this year. And so we've all got themes. And so it's when you think, when you pursue this, it's great to pursue this, by the way, and you should. Uh, it doesn't have to be right now, but it's a good time to do that. But, but it's great to do this. But it's also important to think about the purpose of why you want to see this, and really what, what drives it. What drives it. And so I want to, in, to lead you today to think about that, encourage you to think about these things. But what is it that makes you want to do this? And what are you looking for? And so I would say that two big things that impact us is, is we want to be happy, and we're looking for success in some kind of way. Like you define success for you in some way. There's something in you. And you may not think about this at all. Some of you may be like, I, don't, I haven't thought about this. I'm just here. <laughs> and so I want to challenge you to think about this. You need to be challenged in these two things. Because if you don't even think about it, you're not planning, you still have something in you that says, this is what makes me happy. I'm happy. Or this is what success is. There's some foundation that you have that leads you to that. And so you want to think about the deeper things. That, you know, it doesn't have to take a long time, but you should know that. Uh, but whether you're thinking about it or not, something will drive you. Now here's the interesting thing is you may not achieve this. And there's a chance, like you set these goals and you may not be successful this year. Or, you know, like some of you are like, well, that's a great thing to say when you start the year together. But, but you know, or you do, you do, you, you get there and but you, you could achieve that success or that goal and you could still not be happy. And sometimes if you've experienced that, it's kind of devastating. You're like, wow, I don't feel meaning in this or purpose, whatever it may be. And so it's really interesting how we experience happiness because our it's elusive almost. And so I want to help encourage you and I and, and talk about happiness because it's pushed in our culture a lot. Do what makes you happy. But sometimes we don't even know what that is, or if we do, we don't, we don't experience happiness or whatever it may be. And so let's engage this topic because it's a topic about what matters most. What matters most. And understanding it maybe in a different way could really help you and impact you this year. And so I want to look at Jesus' words about what it means to be happy. Because guess what? He did talk about it. In fact, he says the word over and over and over again. And the scriptures say it in a different way, so it sounds very religious. Um, but he is our foundation, and he is the meaning for our lives. If you're here today as a, as a Christ follower, he is what we, as a Christ follower, we say, I give up what my desires for you because you are the ultimate for my life. And so that's what we proclaim as Christians, as Christ followers. And so we want to, I want to point you to him. And if you're not a Christ follower, if you're not a follower of him, it's something for you to consider and to look at. But he is the one that brings meaning to our lives. So then we look to his teaching, what he says to inform us, to engage our hearts, and to lead our 
hearts as we hear from him. And we look to the other scriptures, those who were with Jesus, who saw him, who heard his teaching, are able to unpack it in a greater way. And so that's what we have in the scriptures, in the New Testament scriptures. We have the four gospel accounts, the written accounts of Jesus's life. And we see his life, his words, him fulfilling the story, the prophecies of the Old Testament in full detail. And then you see his life, his death, his resurrection, everything that he promised, what happened, did. And then you see the early church after he, uh, he rises from the grave and then he ascends back into heaven. These are all the things that we believe. And then you see the early church take off in an unexplainable way except for their lives were changed. Events that have never happened before or again after in history, a complete belief change overnight with hundreds of people. It's unexplainable except for the fact that Jesus rose from the grave and they believed. And we see the early church take off and you see them have all these writings and these teachings about Jesus that inform our lives. And that's the rest of the New Testament. And so we look to his teaching to lead us, to bring meaning to our lives. And he's always pointing you and I to the fact that he is the ultimate for us to pursue. And he's always leading you towards what matters most. And it's fascinating when you read his words, he's constantly helping you see, see, hey, these are, this is where your heart is going, but come back to this place because this is what will bring you happiness and meaning in your life. But it's not always going to look like what you think. And so when it comes to following God, we have what we call this like upside down kingdom where we think, you know, things will make me happy and things will do in, in a certain kind of manner. Or if I pursue this, this is what will bring me happiness. And God's like, no, it's the other way around. He's like, serve some, you know, you serve. You, if you want to be happy, you serve other people, not have them serve you. Like all these different things that we call the upside down kingdom. And he's pointing us to this because he knows what is the best way for you to live. And so I want to lead you today. I want to read some of these words. We're going to start in Matthew 5 today and read through what we have termed and called over time the Beatitudes. And I'm just going to read through them because they have this upside down kingdom. We don't have to put them up just yet. Uh, but there's, there's a couple of things, like four things that I want you to know about happiness. I'm going to give them all to you up front, and then we're going to read through the Beatitudes, and I'm going to come back to the end. But I think this is, there's one thing about happiness that maybe you've never heard before, and it's this, is that you need to be led to be happy. Someone needs to lead you in some way for you to find happiness. This is something that you probably never hear. But you need others around you to lead and engage your life. And you need God to lead you for you to be happy. And if you push back on this, great, but you should ask why. But you should think about this because it's, it's true. And you cannot, the next thing, and these kind of work together, is you cannot achieve happiness on your own. Left to your own devices, you and I just pursue what we think leads us happy, but we lead ourselves to, to our own detriment. We pursue our own happiness to our own detriment. 
And if you don't believe this or if you never thought about this, whatever it may be, just become a parent or babysit your niece or nephew or your neighbor. Because you'll find, like a kid, we, we know uh, through research and just through life experience, you need sleep. Sleep's good. We, all, we agree that it's good to sleep, and you can push against it, and if you try not to sleep, you'll eventually pass out from insanity. And so we, when, when it comes to parenting, we, we see this. And so like a, a child will be like, no, I don't want to go to bed. They'll fight you, but you're like, no, you need to do this. Like you, you get it. Like you, and, so, and you might not do a good job of this, <laughs> but eventually they need to go to sleep. You know that. But what does the child do? The child is like, no. In fact, we had to be so intimate. In our house, I have three kids, and so you can be relaxed with one, but, man, three kids and not sleeping, it gets awful, all right? We, you figure out that like, they really need sleep, but for them, they're like, we don't need it. So we had sleep rules in our house, and we had, it was on the wall, and it was kind of like if you've watched the movie Elf, they recite all the things like tre- every day, like Christmas, they go through the ground rules. We did this with the sleep rules, all right? And so, you know, we, we would go, I, I don't know, like go to bed on time, uh, you've got to go to sleep, don't get up. I forget what they were. Um, but we had rules on the wall. They apparently are so good that I forgot them. Uh, we had, like, it was like four things, right? Kids just need real basic things. But we, we are like, this is it, and this is what's good for you. Because guess what? They would be happier the more sleep that they got. And the more that we experienced as a parent, the more animate we got about keeping the sleep rules. So there are things. You will pursue happiness at the detriment of, to your well-being. This is the craziest thing about it. You and I, we will pursue happiness to our detriment. No, I don't want to go to sleep. I'm going to stay up and binge watch on this show until 1 in the morning and then wake up and have to go to work. It's like New Year's happened and you're like, oh my goodness, I've got to do a schedule now. And like, what do we... We will pursue happiness to the detriment. We will want to root for the Jets. Some of you might be Jets fans. That's not necessarily going to make you be happy. Because the Giants are in the playoffs. The Giants win Super Bowls eventually. (laughs) You know, like, there are things that we do to our detriment of your well-being. Speaking of parents, parents, we will put... The happiness of our kids will pursue that to, the, to their detriment of their well-being. If you put happiness before your well-being, we get it backwards. What drives our happiness is our well-being first. That helps us make hard decisions. And so this is something that's really important for us to hear. And so you need to be led. Because left to our own devices, we don't do it. That's something you should think about. And so this is what Jesus is leading us towards. So let's listen to his words. And just hear this when he says it. So we have Matthew. This is found in Matthew 5. Jesus began to teach. And these huge crowds were following him. And he began to say things that they had really never heard before. That God was showing us in Scripture. And so this is found in Matthew 5, and this is called the Sermon on the Mount. We're not doing the whole thing, just a small section. It's incredible. You should read it sometime. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, 
and he began to teach them. He's leading them, leading you and I. And this is, he says, it continues, he says, He said, blessed are the, which one, poor in spirit is the first one. Now this phrase, blessed are, maybe you've heard this before. It, like this word blessed, it feels like, you know, some holy person holding your hand up, blessed are you. Or, you know, I don't know, some grandmother in the south, you know, bless you. Um, that's always weird to hear. But so the word blessed is kind of strange. But the word, the literal word that he was saying out loud that is, you know, when translated in English is like really happy. That's what he was saying. Like double happy, really happy are you. And it's interesting is the word like, like really happy, double happy. You see this in cultures throughout the world in different ways. But that's what he was saying. Really happy and joyful, like deep down happy are Giants fans. That's what he says next. Sorry, guy. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that even mean? Like, blessed are, blessed are those that, like, are humble. It doesn't mean that, it's not saying, like, you're blessed are the poor, people don't have, but the poor in spirit, like, there's this humility that I don't have it all. So there, there's a, a conversation about pride. That is not what we typically hear. Really happy are those. The next one is this. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Like that one's kind of scary, right? It's like, I don't want to be mourning for anything, right? Blessed are those who mourn. Wow, like that's so different than what we would, we would ever think. For they will be comforted. There's something in the depth of life that we experience, an emotion of our hearts that is different than anything else. Really happy like, I think we get it. We read, blessed are those who mourn. But really happy are those who, like, that's weird to hear, isn't it? So different. He continues, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Don't you love people who are kind? Like, who, who care about you? Like, you just want to, like, lean in with them? In the Northeast, we're, we're pretty abrasive in, gen in general. Like, so like we're just kind of used to that. So when you meet someone who's, who's meek, who's, who's caring, and all these different things, you just kind of want to be around them and lean in. For they will inherit the earth. He continues, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Someone who loves God, who's seeking the right in all things. Like when you read in the Psalms, you see this. It's like uh, David, David wrote a lot of the Psalms. He says, I delight in you, God, I, in your law. He talks about his law, the writing of the scriptures. I delight day and night. There's this joy for you will be filled. Those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God will be filled. It's really interesting. That is what fills us up. Our souls are filled. And he continues, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
those whose hearts are pure, our motives are correct. We want the best for someone else, not for me. Blessed are the pure, for they will see God. It's also showing us God's heart. God is all of these things. He engages us with this thing. We're seeing God's character and what he's, so you get to see God. You'll experience God as you, as you, you know, you're pure in heart and seek these things that are right. So blessed are the pure in heart. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, I've titled this somewhat recently. It's not just trying to keep the peace. It's peacemakers. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. We've talked about this. I forget when. Um, in the last couple of months, I think. But someone who makes peace is, is not always, some, they're going to disrupt things in the sense that we're going to pursue this. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> we're like, no, let's not. Let's just sweep it under the rug. That doesn't bring peace. The peacemaker is someone who is active, stands on character. It's not easy to make peace. We should be the ones that steps forward. You're in an argument with someone. You're the first to say something like, hey, let's talk about this. And you want the other person to do the same. That is a peacemaker. But if someone who makes peace, you're like, man, you are a child of God. It shows us God's character. It's amazing. And the next one's really interesting. Happy are those, really happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for seeking the right thing, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, that's not what I would think, right? Like, that is not what I would want. And we see this, and he, and he expands on this. Blessed are those who are persecuted. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say, so lie against you all kinds of evil against you because of me. So when you follow Christ, you obey his commands, you pursue him, you pursue righteousness, you will eventually be persecuted. He says, really happy are you when you experience that. Why? He says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, yeah, for in the same way they, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Be glad. Rejoice and be glad. And what's amazing is if you see the early church, you read through how they took off, they did experience this in, in, in unbelievable ways. And you see them rejoicing and, and being glad in that. Because they understood, they saw the resurrected Jesus. They knew what really mattered, that there's a great joy in heaven, and there's nothing that could stop that. And they experienced that joy. It's way different than anything with we, that we pursue. When we pursue our happiness, we want to protect, right? I want to just be happy. I want to be comforted. I want to have a great drink. I want to have vacation. I want to be on a beach. And those things are not bad in of themselves. But I'm constantly pursuing this. I don't want to experience pain. Everything that you and I do is kind of avoiding pain. And Jesus is like, really happy are you when you experience that. It's the, it's the opposite of what we would think. And so he's leading our hearts to the things that we don't necessarily think will bring us happy. But he's exposing this to us. And then I love these words that Jesus says right after this. He says, you are the Salt of the earth. I love that statement. 
You are the seasoning that brings life. God wants to use you for significance. And this is the joy that we experience when we pursue Him, to be part of His story, to be part of something that matters, that's meaningful. This is what our city is looking for and longs for. When we do stuff with our community, we, we see people experience that. There's business owners that we're friends with, that we do stuff with as a church, and, and they talk about us in glowing manners because I feel like they, they, they experience the salt of the earth. He says, but he says, you know, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He says, be careful for what you pursue. Then he says this, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Here's why. So that they may see your good deeds and glorify God, your Father in heaven. And that's the key part. We let our light shine because it gives glory to God. It's showing that He exists, that He loves you, that you're made for something more. There's something in all of us that wants to be connected to that. When you think about all of these things we just read, what is the, what's things that connect them together? What are these all centered around? They're centered around your heart, your heart. We, you know, what, what makes me happy is like we, we, we want some, you know, certain thing or something that's tangible. And he's leading your heart. So when we mourn, when something goes wrong, we can lean into our Father because we can experience him in a depth of life that we've never thought possible and experience comfort. We don't have to be afraid. We can lean in. It's not easy to do. When I lead my children, it's not easy to say no. When my heavenly Father leads me, He helps confront things in my heart that I don't want to hear. But I'm learning to let Him lead me. I'm learning to let others He puts in my life to lead me because it will lead me towards happiness. He's leading you to your heart. And what he's helping us and wanting us to see is no thing will make you happy. So nothing, <laughs> nothing will make you happy. No thing. It's not bad to pursue things or have things in your life. But if it's your purpose, it ultimately won't do that. So to be really happy to find peace, to be joyful, is all about your heart. So that's the question, is how is your heart today? Your soul. Are you at peace? I ask myself this question, it's, I'm not, it's not always, yeah. I'm, I read scripture, I'm a pastor, and there's so many things 
and to make me anxious. As you engage this year, I want you to think about how you engage God and invite Him to be part of your life. I want you to listen to a couple of psalms. And I love reading these. We're going to read through Psalm 131 and Psalm 62, just a couple of verses at the beginning. So listen to this. Psalm, Psalm 131, it says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Sorry, we can't see this well. <laughs> I love that line, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. And it gives this incredible visual, like a child, like a weaned child with its mother. Now, you moms in here who've nursed, like a, a child who's hungry, they're like, there's, they get frantic. There's all built up, and they just, and a weaned child, like when they're around their mom, they're like, you're here, you're here, there's food here. <laughs> like they're just crazy. A weaned child can then sit with you without that, and it can be calm. Like a weaned child with his mother. Like that, my soul within me is my soul. If I'm calm, I'm okay. If you've ever been really, really hungry, and you finally ate, and you can just sit there, Breathe and relax our soul. I love the image and the beauty of just being at rest, happy with God. Psalm 62, 1 and 2 says, Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. That's a foundation. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. So downtown community, this year, I hope, I hope you achieve great goals. I hope that you achieve great and have success in, in happiness. God wants this for you. It's, it's great to pursue these things. I hope you have the fulfillment of every good dream. When I marry people, that's part of the prayer that I pray, that God would give them to fulfill the, the, you know, every good dream and hope. That is a gift from God. It reflects His beauty, how He made the world. When you experience that, those dreams fulfilled, love, all that is out of His original beauty and design that He called us to experience. I pray that you would experience that. But we don't always find that. I cannot promise that that's going to happen for you. Jesus also said, in this world you will have trouble. He was like, take heart because I have overcome the world. So even if you do find your goal and reach it, like I said earlier, it's possible that you don't experience happiness then. And sometimes that's devastating. That's happened to me many times. So I cannot promise that. I can, however, point you to what really matters most and who 
matters most and what really does lead you and I to happiness. Because happiness, let's recap here, happiness is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. It's so strange, right? How frustrating is that? It's like, I should just pursue what's happening at work, and that's what we say. But just, just remember, it's counterintuitive. You cannot achieve it on your own. You are made to be led by others. You need to be led by God and by others. And this is harder than you think. Your desire to please yourself and to pursue this is really hard. Your emotions, my emotions tell me differently. That's why we need others to lead us. And culture, culture around us is pushing us the opposite way. Now, not all culture is bad, but if you just let it push you without any thought and just go down the stream, be careful. It won't lead you to happiness like it promises. No thing will make you happy. The end goal, this is what we'll end with today. The end goal that I want you to experience is, do you, I want to ask this question. Do you have a plan for following Jesus this year? Now, I'm not saying, like, you may not be a follower of God. You don't even have to believe with Him, but you can begin to take steps. What if this is true? I encourage you to come and to listen, to ask your questions, and explore Jesus' life. You'll be amazed what you see and find out. Do you have a plan? Christ follower, this is your life. What brings you meaning? What brings you joy and delight? Do you have a plan to bring him into your goals, your loves, your pursuits this year? This is a must for us as Christ followers. Your assignment. (laughs) I'm going to give you an assignment. You're like, man, I got homework. Make a simple plan for following Christ this year. Make a simple plan. Find a way to bring Him in. You can begin to take steps. This is important. You want to love God? Make a plan for how you're going to love Him, experience Him. Have a plan for how you love His family, His church, how you serve this year. Three things here. Love God, love His family, and love others. You want to incorporate this into your life this year? It'll put you in places to be led by Him, be led by others, and experience joy in loving Him. Love God, love His family, and love others. Let's have a great year and bring Him into this picture and experience happiness. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your words to us. Jesus, I thank you that you came so passionately and purposefully that you want to say you were coming to us to say hard things and to also show us what really matters. I pray today that we would consider this and learn to trust you. I pray that we would take steps towards you and give us wisdom to see and accept the hard things that you are leading us towards our well-being, which will in turn lead us to happiness. I pray that we would experience the depth of life and joy that that brings. We thank you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.